Welcome to the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. We're Kate and Liam, married bisexuals a decade into our non-monogamous journey. We've been having sex with our friends for 10 years, and we're still madly in love with each other. We're the authors of the Monogamous Marriage blog, where we've been overthinking sex and love since 2016. This podcast is the place where we process our sexual adventures in real time. We are not experts, and nothing we say should be mistaken for professional advice. This show contains mature language and sexual content, so if you're under 18, it isn't for you. But if you're a fellow overthinker and you're not freaked out by unfiltered conversation, you're going to feel right at home. This is part two of our two-part episode on online dating. So we really encourage you to listen to part one of that series. But for those of you who haven't, let's recap everything that happened up to the point where we begin today's episode. Okay. So you had tried dating separately with people we knew in the lifestyle and it was difficult. And so we took a break and decided that we were going to come at it in a slightly different way where we went online, we both put up profiles and we both started to date other people so that I would have more of a sense of involvement and maybe find some excitement in it for me. And as we did that, we found that basically this thing that you were doing to accommodate me turned out overwhelmingly well for you in terms of the volume of responses. And there was very little for me, which was an interesting dynamic. But we worked through it. I think where we ended last time, and this is October, we recorded that back in August. Um, the way we ended it was I had turned off the settings on field that um, had me looking for men. I was just going to look for women. But I had made these connections with a few guys that I was going to pursue. Um, but I was not looking for any new male connections. And you had just left it at, you were going to see what happened? Well, I went on a couple of dates and none of them really panned out. And as I mentioned, I was underwhelmed by the level of response I got. So I made some changes and we're going to talk about those in a few moments. But right now, why don't you tell us about what happened after we left off on the previous episode with your online dating adventure? Okay. In the first episode, we talked about a couple of characters. So the first mm -hmm. one was the photographer. And I had a very nice first date with him. We had a drink. And then the second date, I brought in a woman who he had introduced me to. And we had a threesome that didn't go super well, but was where I was more comfortable. So I stayed in touch with him. And in the meantime, he went away for a while. He was photographing one of the best book collections in the world. And he was speaking my love language by sending me photographs of first edition Dickens. So I was getting really turned on looking at, you know, Shakespeare's folio. And I liked that there was this other dimension to separate dating. So it wasn't just an outlet for sexual desire or a way for you to distract yourself while I was going on dates. But here was another richer level of engagement. Mm-hmm. So when he came back, we got together and had another very nice date, actually. It was the first time the two of us were together alone and we had a sexual date. So I went to his place and again, we started with some wine and just talking in the living room. And then we decided that we were going to have sex first 
and then dinner after and then decide if we wanted to have another sex session. So we did that. We had a good time. Again, he struggled a little bit. He said, man, you're intimidating. And I, I always find that funny. He was the second guy to say that. And I don't get it. What he actually said was, usually I'm the one in the room with the most experience. Right. And it's weird for me that you have more. So I just tried to laugh that off and, and be really nice and patient and encouraging. But the track record of human beings laughing off the insecurities of others <laughs> is very poor. Yeah. On that second date, I offered him anal. Because, Why? <laughs> well, because I've been on a real anal kick lately. And sometimes with you, you're a little bit too big for me to comfortably take it up the ass. But he was a perfect anal size. So, so maybe that's why I'm intimidating. I don't know. <laughs> is that weird? Well, I think the real takeaway from this is all you guys out there that are worried about dick size, there are niches. And <laughs> if you're a little on the slimmer side, you could be someone's could be favorite. My perfect ass man. Yeah. So <laughs> that's just a sidebar. Anyway, let's get back to the main thread of the story. <laughs> So he was able to stay hard enough to um, give me anal for a little bit. So we had some front and back sex. There was some waxing and waning of the erection, which is fine. I'm completely used to that. It's not a problem at all. And at the end, we just kind of lay there snuggling a little bit. And I said, you know, I'm really hungry. And he said, what is your favorite thing to eat? And I said, full Vietnamese noodle soup. <laughs> and he's like, easy, let's go. So we just threw some clothes on. And went and had some noodle soup. And then I went home. So it was a very nice time. I enjoyed myself. I think he did too, despite saying that he was intimidated. And then I haven't heard from him in a month. So I don't know if that's just him giving me space, you know, having heard that I only really want to go out once a month with other people. Maybe he's just giving me that distance and he'll get back in touch soon. Or he'd prefer to stick to the ingenues who he can dominate through his superior <laughs> experience. Yeah, maybe I really did scare him off. So, so that was him. Very nice. It was a good evening. Very chill and lots of laughing and fun. How did you feel on the level of emotional connection? And I know that's not what you were in this for. But human beings getting close together, being vulnerable, that kind of happens. Did it happen for the two of you on any level that you could register? Nothing more than what I usually experience in the world of swinging. So it was fun and easy. I felt comfortable. We talked and laughed a lot, both before sex and during sex. And it was nice. On the way to get our dinner, we held hands. And so mm. that's not something we always do in the swinging world. So that felt kind of cute and, I guess, relationshipy. But no, I didn't feel any particular emotional connection. Nothing that was different for me from what we have with our good friends in the lifestyle. Okay. And your other dating partner? Super hot guy. Yeah. I had two more dates with him, and the first one, I went there, and it was a really late night. He had something with his family, and so he asked, could I just kind of be on call? He didn't know how long it was going to take, and I said, sure, no problem. You were participating in modern booty call culture. Pretty much, yeah, right. which is fine. Like, 
I don't got to be your girlfriend, man. (laughs) But anyway, those two and a half hours of being dressed and waiting around were kind of like, "Eh, what am I doing? But I did. And we had some sushi and sat out by his fire, which he actually started this time. Mm. The fire (laughs) was a real thing. And it was lovely. We had a nice time, had a bottle of wine and ate our sushi and had a really good conversation. And again, this is the super hot former basketball guy who the last time I was at his house, he crossed the line a little bit in terms of saying, you know, just lean into it. Just trust me with his cock with no condom on it. So I addressed that before we went into the house. I said, you know, last time you did this and it wasn't cool in the world that I'm a part of having safe sex wearing a condom is pretty essential and expected. And for you to say, just lean into it, just trust me, it kind of felt a bit coercive. That's not what I expect from a partner. And so he apologized and said, you know, I was really turned on. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have pushed the boundaries like that. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Nobody likes condoms. So the conversation continued. It was nice and easy. And then we went in the house and he got out a pair of handcuffs and a butt plug And I don't think we even got around to using them. (laughs) So a little vaginal sex. And they were just conversation starters. Yeah, he was just threatening me with a good time. (laughs) And and then again, he was struggling too to stay hard and keep hard. So he said, Do you want to go out and have a hot tub? So I said, sure. And it's like, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning at this point. And we had smoked a couple joints together. And so it was very chill in the hot tub. And then afterward, we went back inside and I offered him anal because, again, he was a good anal size and he was pretty excited by that. And I did the whole thing that you love, you know, butt in the air, kind of spreading my cheeks, teasing him with my asshole. And so he was able to come. What a surprise. Yeah. So that was a really great night. And I left there feeling like, all right, I'm really glad I gave this guy a second chance. We had a lot of fun. I still found him remarkably attractive and the conversation was still great. So I was feeling really good about that connection. And a couple weeks later, I went back for a third date. And again, rather than going out on a date, I just went to his house and again, he ordered sushi. So (laughs) I'm starting to feel like I'm the kind of shameful booty call who never gets to go out in public with this guy. (laughs) You're the minimal effort date. Yeah, pretty much. Like just call her over, order up some takeout and she'll let you fuck her in the ass. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a branding position. Yeah, it would be cool to go in public with this guy because he's so hot. I'd love to be seen with him. Right. (laughs) That would be nice for my ego. And I told him that second or third date, I guess, that I'd really love to go out with you. Like, let's go dancing. You want to go to the X Club? You want to go to Oasis? I'll get you in there. That would be really hot. Anyway, so this time we had less conversation and got to sex faster. And he was struggling again to get hard. And, you know, I I don't want to sound like I'm frustrated by this. I'm so fine with it. But I think the guys get frustrated and that energy, that kind of tense, it's not working thing comes into the room. And so I have to do a lot of reassuring. Mm -hmm. And it's not the most comfortable, sexy place to be like, it's okay, don't worry, it's fine. As you see these guys getting more and more frustrated. But anyway, I was fine with it. And so he was doing a lot of oral. 
And he went down on me for a long time and was feeling really good. And then he fingered me. And I don't normally love fingering, but he made me come from oral and fingering. And so I was lying there kind of blissed out with my eyes closed post-orgasm. And I felt something go in me. And I thought it was his fingers again at first, because that's what had been happening. And I was all wet and, you know, open. And (laughs) so it just slipped in easily. And then a few thrusts in, I opened my eyes and realized, oh, it's not his fingers. It's his cock. And oh, he's not wearing a condom. So I just went limp. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what do I do about this? He's already in. So any damage has already been done. Do I just let him continue? Because the guy's been struggling and frustrated with the whole condom thing. Or do I put my foot down and say, hey, no, we already talked about this. This is really not cool. So as I was thinking, what do I do? He noticed that I had kind of disengaged, that I had gone limp, and he said, are you okay? So to his credit, he at least noticed my body language and reacted. And I said, you're not wearing a condom, are you? Or something like that. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like immediately, you know, I thought it was okay. I'm like, why would you think it was okay? So that completely ruined the night. And I got up and got dressed and he was very hangdog and apologetic. And I said, I get it. You know, condoms suck. I really understand. My husband has the same struggle. Every time you try to put a condom on, you kind of lose it. I understand how frustrating this is for you. But we had the conversation last time about how this is important. And it's not just you and me in the room. We can't just make this decision between us. I have to consider my husband who I'm going home to and my other partners who I'm going to play with next weekend. And it's not okay for you to do that, especially without talking to me. Technically, that is illegal. (laughs) So anyway, he was very apologetic. He said, I'm so sorry. I know I'm safe, but just to reassure you, I'm going to go get a test next week. I'll send you the results. Of course, this was a month ago and I haven't heard from him. But anyway, it, it ended on a sour note, which is really unfortunate because he was talking during that evening about how I like you so much. I love this connection. I'd like to see you more than once a week. And I was like, well, that might be a little frequent, but I was open to it. You know, this was maybe a Tuesday and he wanted to see me again on Saturday. And I was already trying to think, can I make that happen? I was enjoying my time with him so much. So anyway, that's how it ended. And he felt chastised and I felt disappointed and we haven't really spoken since. Anyway, I've been talking a lot. Okay. (laughs) So... I had a real change of strategy after the disappointments of round one of my online dating experiment. So you were on field and what was the other one? OkCupid? Yes. And there were so few expressions of interest. And the dates I went on from the website were just quite disappointing. Can I ask you one thing before you go on? One of the things you were concerned about earlier was how much you would have to share with me. You were worried that in this messaging process with other women, that you would feel like I was overlooking your conversations. Mm -hmm. How did it turn out for you as far as my involvement in your messaging? Well, the messaging turned out to be very much just 
about logistics. Just arranging a time and a date to get together and what we would do. And there was not really anything intimate to be affected by your observation. Okay. But in terms of how I approached you, did you feel like it was oppressive? Did you feel like, oh, I have to show this to Kate? How did I behave (laughs) and how did you feel about it, you know, with the messaging that did happen? Right. I just seemed like it was easy because there wasn't anything that was challenging to show you. It was just, I was keeping you up to date. I like that because I do, I think you and I are perfectly aligned on the issue of wanting to be aware of what each other are up to. You from a perspective, perhaps, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, of safety so that you know that the emotions aren't getting out of control and aren't in any way threatening to our relationship. Me, because I'm sexually excited by any exchange you have with another man. So sharing my communications with you for your goals was very easy. So it didn't feel like I was being your mom looking over your shoulder or asking you every other second for (laughs) an update. Correct. Okay, good. Because I was quite proud of the fact that I kept my distance from you. Okay, so after my disappointments, I came upon a new idea and it actually emerged from a conversation with my son. So he was talking about online dating and he mentioned the site Bumble and he thought it would be better because it was women controlled. So you think that might be perhaps even worse for me that I'll have less agency. But what it means is that no conversation starts unless the woman is enthusiastic. And I was feeling so little enthusiasm on field and on OkCupid. But I thought this could be interesting. So I went... Can I pause you again? Sorry. You said you talked to your son about it and he thought Bumble would be better. Were you talking to him about your separate dating? He thought Bumble would be better for himself Uh because it was female controlled. He has, of course, no idea that I have a personal participatory interest in online dating. Well, you say, of course, but you have told him that we're in an open relationship. So it could ostensibly be something that you would talk about with him. Yes, although as we've noticed so often, we have the most incurious children. (laughs) They are astoundingly uninterested in what we're up to in our personal lives. Okay, so you went on Bumble. Yes, and it was very interesting because Bumble is more of a, I'm looking for a long-term relationship slash marriage situation. And How so, is that different from OkCupid? Cupid is more, perhaps not as much as Tinder, but more about hookups. And then Field, which is supposed to be for people looking for alternative relationships. There was nothing on there for me. And I think our experience being atypical, because we're a couple going on there together, we found that it's mainly a site for men looking for women who will let them have sex with them without a relationship. <laughs> yeah, or couples looking for a unicorn. Yes, it's sadness all over the place on the <laughs> field, as far as I can tell. Okay, so Bumble is about relationships. And yes. you come on there as a married man saying what? <laughs> well, 
This is where I came up with an innovation. And that was that these women were on there with really heartfelt profiles looking for a special someone to make their life complete. And I must say, I felt so much compassion for them, not in a condescending way, but just seeing the vulnerability of these people, looking at their predicaments. So I was a person who was once married to the wrong person and divorced at the age of 50. But I immediately left into the arms of you, my dream come true woman. But that is not the typical way it happens. And I was seeing all these women on there looking for something special. And I thought, oh, there is an opportunity for me here. And what I did was I crafted a profile that basically said, while you're looking for your forever guy, would you be interested in seeing a thoughtful, intelligent, other-focused individual who, by the way, you can drop like a hot potato as soon <laughs> as a prospect of interest shows up. Right. I'll be your absolutely low-maintenance bed, <laughs> bed warmer, time filler while you wait for the right guy. Mm -hmm. So I was acknowledging their situation. I was not in any way misrepresenting myself or underappreciating their objectives and goals. And it really, really worked. I have so many great plans in my life that when I describe them to people, they say, that's fantastic. And then they don't work. But this was one that actually worked. All right. So tell us about how it worked. Well, I had a number of really suitable expressions of interest, people that liked what I had to say. So some of them turned into chats, which again, can only happen if the woman instigates. So I started having chats and it often happens. Anyone who's tried online dating will know this, that most chats don't turn out to be very promising. So, but there were a few that were. So I went on two dates of particular interest. So one was with a woman named Stephanie and she actually worked in a field that was not identical to mine, but adjacent to mine in that we had the same customers. So we had a lot in common and we met for coffee one day and I said this to her, there's that very interesting moment in the online dating process when you see that person in real life for the first time. And this is especially in the era of filtering. So you're wondering, will this person that I encountered online, what will they look like when I see them in person? And so just as I turned the corner and there she was sitting at the back of the coffee shop, I thought, oh, she looks kind of better than she did in our pictures. That never happens. So I felt immediately at ease and she was very smart and accomplished. She was closer to my age than you are by 10 years. And so that's something that I was also looking forward to. So I thought that would be interesting. And we chatted and we had a really good time. And I thought, I am going to ask her on a date. In the meantime, though, I had another date lined up with a woman who was even older. She was 60. And for those of you who don't know, at the time of this recording in October 2023, I am 62 years old. So again, some uncertainty when I went to meet her, but she was fantastic. Again, she looked better than her pictures. 
that's a good kind of surprise to have. So I felt happy. We had a fantastic conversation. We were at a really interesting restaurant and we talked a lot about different experiences we had. She was a woman who was married for a long time and lost her husband. So she was a widow and had just begun to date again. And she spoke very frankly of her experience in her marriage. So I just love that stuff. I tried to meet her honesty with my own and be open about things I've struggled with through the years. Not with you, by the way, just in case anyone's wondering, but definitely in my long first marriage. And so we had a really great time. I thought she looked fantastic. It was unbelievable that she was 60, actually. She just looked great. So I'm already... Kind of like you. I'm already thinking that this is really going to go somewhere. Like we will have some kind of long-term connection. And again, it was along the lines of, I'm happy just to be a part of your life until you find that someone who will be what you're really looking for. And so we enjoyed our dinner and the conversation. And I said, would you like me to drive you home? And she said, yes, I'd actually like that. So I really took that as a great sign. So I drove her home. When I stopped in front of her apartment, because I have so completely absorbed the necessity of consent, I just said, I'd really like to kiss you. And I leaned forward slightly and her answer was, oh, I don't do that. Oh my God. Yeah. Shut down. Yeah, I was. And so- you know, you told me that and I was pissed. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who rejects my husband like that? Yeah, so it's interesting because I absolutely respect her right to say no. It just caught me off guard. But it turned out that she explained she had been seeing someone who she was excited about, not so excited that she would cancel our date, but excited enough that she felt that she shouldn't be kissing other people. Wow, that's so old-fashioned. Yeah, it is, <laughs> but... You know, she gets to decide what she wants to do and what <laughs> sure. doesn't want to do. And she said something about, I hope this doesn't affect our connection. And I said, well, I explained to her that I have lots of friends. I have too many friends. I can barely keep up with all the ones I have. So my interest in our connection involved sex, ultimately. So if it doesn't, that's A-okay. I enjoyed our time together this evening. But if that's not a possibility... It's not likely that I'll continue what was a great connection just to have one more friend that I struggle to see on a regular basis. Ooh, so you shut her down right back. I was just being honest. Though. I don't need any more friends, bitch. <laughs> yeah. You and I have different ways of expressing our ideas. <laughs> Either fuck or get out. Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting because that's not what I would have thought you'd say because you have said from the beginning that ah, if sex happens whatever it's just about the connection and interesting conversations and having a different audience to perform for so yeah i would not have guessed that you would say if sex is off the table and the whole thing's off the table yeah because those words that you quoted of mine are things i say about an individual date but if the message is the trajectory of this relationship will never include sex then I'm not interested. I'm a very patient person and I like being able to explore non-sexual dimensions in a connection. But if that's never going to be part of it, then I'm less interested. Now, having said that, if she had been scintillating at conversation, that might've changed it. I always have room for another friend 
who is capable of incredibly insightful conversation. But she was not that. She was great, but she wasn't that. Wasn't there also a 37-year-old in there somewhere? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there was also a 37-year-old, and her name was Jane, and there had been a mix-up in terms of us getting together. So I was waiting for her. I, so I contacted her, and she said, oh, I thought it was tomorrow. I can't do today. I have to be close to home. But because the town she lived in was just a half an hour further, I offered to make the drive the extra distance. And, you know, it's funny, it's kind of a truism in business that sometimes the best relationships are founded on errors because then you show who you are in terms of resolving it. So I thought, oh, this could be one of those cases too. So we we got together and that conversation went extremely well. She was an art student. I have a major interest in art. So we bonded over that and just over so many different subjects. And I thought, again, this is going to go really well. But she did mention in the course of the conversation that she also had a guy that she was seeing. And she was married. So she had her husband and she had this guy. So I said, I'm very happy being number three on your list. And so I thought, oh, this is kind of working out quite well, actually, because my biggest fear, as I've said before, is I don't want anyone falling in love with me. So I feel safe at the number three position that you've got two other guys to be in love with before <laughs> your affections rain down on me. And also because it means that not too much will be demanded of my time. So Again, it went really well. I kissed her at the end. She was very happy to kiss. And when I got home, though, I said, I'd like to get together with you again sometime. And she said, yes, and then never wrote back. So like a <laughs> month later, I wrote to her and checked in. And she said, yeah, I sort of ghosted you. I'm sorry. But I've actually broken it off with the other guy. And I decided I just want to focus on my marriage. So you never know if that's the truth or she's just saying what's expedient. And as I think I said in the last episode, I'm very happy being lied to in a situation like that. Easier for her to tell me that she's not interested in continuing. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be right back after a brief break for some announcements. In June of 2023, we launched a brand new venture called Sapio Tours. And the concept is that we would take small groups of non-monogamous couples to European destinations of cultural and historical interest. These trips are different from your regular lifestyle vacation, partly because the groups are small, but partly because it does not take place against the backdrop of thumping bass and drunken parties. So in the coming year, we are going back to Crete. That trip sold out very quickly, but we are putting together a wait list. So if you desperately want to go to Crete with us in 2024, you can get in touch and we'll put you on that list. And if there are enough people on the wait list eventually, we will add a second week. So don't give up. The trip we are currently selling, though, is to Tuscany. We are going to go August 17th to 24th to the center of Italy. We're going to have excursions to Florence, San Gimignano, Pisa. There are all kinds of wonderful things to see, do, and taste in Tuscany. And we're going to do a little bit of everything. 
We are also about to launch a trip to France.、Mm. We are looking at Provence in the fall of 2024. We just got back from a week in France, where we explored a whole bunch of villas and beautiful little towns, and we are very excited as that trip comes together. So, what do people do if they want to participate in a Sapio Tours trip to Europe? Well, the first thing is to go to sapiotours.com, and there you'll find the information about the tours we're currently selling. So you will book a 30-minute Zoom call with us. It's an opportunity for us to get to know you, but also for you to get to know us. So go to sapiotours.com to our contact us page, and you can send us an email, or you can automatically book a 30-minute time slot. And now, back to the Monogamish Marriage Podcast. Okay, so before the break, you were about to tell us about another date you had.、Hmm. Well, there were a couple more. So I had another first date with a guy who I had been in some intermittent chats with, and he was the youngest of the people I've seen. So he was ten years younger than me at thirty-seven, and he was lovely. So again, very tall, very handsome, piercing blue eyes, like such gorgeous blue eyes, and I really enjoyed my time with him. He was in a polyamorous relationship where he had a primary partner, and he was just kind of casually looking to date other people, which was perfect for me. So we had a very nice dinner, and it was super comfortable. I was very attracted to him. We had a really nice kiss after, where it started as a little kiss by my car, and then he kind of pulled me in for a. Bigger kiss, and it was really nice. But then he was going on a trip, and when he came back from the trip, he was sick, and so it has now been oh man, at least six weeks since I've seen him, and he's been in touch just a little bit here and there, just asking, you know, how are you? What's up? So, how interested are you in going out again with him? Well, he, as an individual, was very promising. Really easy conversation, so nice. He had really、mm. a kind energy, so I would quite like to see someone like him. But I've really leaned into women and feel like that's where my desire is. So I don't know. Like if he said, "Hey, do you want to go for dinner on Saturday?" I would probably say yes.、Mm-hmm. But neither one of us are being that assertive about it. We're just kind of like, "Hey." How are you? And then it never leads to anything. So I feel like both of us are kind of in the same place of I liked you, but I don't feel enough impetus to actually set something up and follow through. Do you think there's a possibility he's one of those super nice guys who literally needs you to roll out the red carpet for him and say, "Hey, I'd really like to see you again." And if、yeah. that's the case, am I going to do? Are、it? you ever going to do that? <laughs> yeah, I think. You're probably right. He did talk about how his girlfriend is a professional dom,、mm. so he's he's a subby kind of guy who probably would like it if I took the initiative.、Mm. But I don't feel a strong enough desire right now. Who knows? Maybe next week. <laughs> so anyway, that was a lovely dinner, and then it ended. But I did continue to date the vet.、Mm. So I had such a nice time with her the first time. It was so easy. I went to her house and she made me dinner. So we've had. A couple more dates since then. And can you remind me? Did you even kiss her on your first date? Was there was no sex, right? Right. No, just a very brief little kiss, just a little. Right. <laughs> and then she said that she she had taken more time with that. So, on the second date, we did in fact take more time with that. Which was how many weeks later, or months later, even? It wasn't that long. It was maybe as much as a month later. Okay. 
I took her out to dinner and then we went back to her apartment and we had a very sweet moment where we were sitting on the floor and then she kind of crawled across the floor toward me and, you know, hesitantly kissed me and I kissed her back. And so we had a little like makeout session that second date. Right. And when you say hesitantly crawled across the floor, that's because <laughs> she has no same sex experience. Is that right. right? Like zero? Right. Yeah. No experience, but a lot of enthusiasm for it. Right. It's so lovely to have her have this kind of like excited new I'm a little scared, but I really want to try everything energy. So I, I like that a lot. And we had a little makeout session. And then it was another few weeks before I saw her again. Mm. So I just saw her for the third time recently. And we decided to stay in and just had some charcuterie and talked for like three hours. And she, you know, it, it ran the gamut of guys she had been seeing and things that were happening with her ex-husband and, you know, all kinds of really vulnerable, open conversation. And at one point I said, I brought a little MDMA. Do you want to do a little bit with me? And then we can just kind of follow the sensuality and see how it goes. And so she was really excited about that. And we did just like a half dose each. And again, she kind of crawled across the floor and put her hands on my legs and leaned in and kissed me. And then she straddled me like her legs over my legs mm -hmm. and was rubbing on me. I was like, okay, okay, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, I don't really know what to do next. And I was like, oh my God, you're so sweet. So I said, how about we just get naked, go to the bedroom and I'll just touch you and see what you like. Right. You are you thinking I'll touch you as in a massage or I'll touch you in ways that will drive you insane with desire? Well, both. Okay. <laughs> so I think I said, I'll just give you a little sensual massage okay. and, and see what you respond to and what you like. So we spent like three hours just having this beautiful exploration where she had never done anything with a woman. So I just kind of did my standard gentle touching, kissing, licking all over her body and just listening carefully for how she was responding with her breath and how her body moved in response. And I love that so much, especially to have someone who is just so patient and open and excited about everything. There was no rush. It was just this lovely exploration and everything was new and interesting and fun. And yeah, it was so great. But at one point with the excitement of the newness of all of this and the MDMA, she said, I have this guy I've been seeing who I have a really great sexual connection with. Do you think we should invite him over for a threesome? Because I told her the story about my other um, date with a threesome. Mm -hmm. And I said, eh, I mean, maybe we should just keep this first time for us. But if that seems exciting to you, absolutely follow your pleasure. Like, I'm the kind of person you can do that with. Mm. Uh, she said, oh, okay. So she wrote him and he was out with his buddies and wasn't going to be available till like one in the morning. But he was really excited, obviously, mm -hmm. <laughs> about the prospect. So we continued to play and it was just this beautiful as I've experienced before, kind of like waves of sensual sexuality and then kind of calm, just snuggling, talking, you know, having your faces close together, breathing each other's breath and all of the lovely open good feelings that MDMA brings. So anyway, we had a beautiful time. I did all kinds of fun things with her. We played with toys. I 
showed her some scissoring, ate her pussy. And she was really excited about next time me bringing back the strap on and the double dildo. And then the guy came in at like one in the morning. And the very first impression I had was he had just smoked a cigarette. And for me, there's nothing more off-putting than cigarette smoke, especially on someone's breath if you kiss them. So he walked in just reeking of smoke. And immediately I was like, gross. I don't want to get too close to this guy. He was nice and respectful and asked, like, what are you guys comfortable with? What what role would you like me to play? So personality-wise, he seemed quite nice. But, yeah, it just completely broke the spell. And we I went, would think, sorry. think it's not just the cigarette smoke, which I get it. That's terrible. But also that infusion of male energy mm-hmm. and all the historical associations that come with that in terms of, women subordinating their sexuality to that of a man. So even if you're modern women like you are, that that set of assumptions also comes in the room with him. Well, yeah, and you could absolutely see everything changed about the objectives of the evening. So the two of us, when we had been together for three hours, there was no goal. If one of us came, that would have been awesome. But that, that wasn't the direction we had to be heading in. We were just exploring and there was this lovely open ease. And he came in the room and all of a sudden the focus was his cock and him coming. It was so apparent to me in that moment that what uh, two women together alone in the room feel like and experience is an entirely different thing than what those two women experience when they're our men present. Right. He didn't say, I need you to suck my cock or make my fantasy come true or anything. It was mm-hmm. all unspoken. Social conditioning. Yeah. So that was maybe the first time I really felt like, okay, I understand now how separate dating could work for me in a way that maybe I don't always get to experience in the swinging community. Because quite often I have great connections with women, but there are men present and those connections are exactly performative, but they're certainly impacted by the presence of the men. And so to have that really stark reminder of here's what it feels like when it's just you and another woman, and here's what it feels like when there's a man in the room. Yeah, that definitely drove home for me the value of seeing a woman separate from any male involvement. Interesting. So that was the end of the evening right there. Everything screeched to a halt. Pretty much. I stayed in the room for maybe 10 more minutes Mm. and I didn't really touch him at all. I just kind of stayed face to face with her as he came in from behind her. Right. So her as an object of your attention and her as a barrier between you and a man (laughs) you're not interested in, that's a really different dynamic. Yeah, for sure. I pretty quickly got up and said, I'm going to leave you guys alone. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I gave her a kiss and said, look forward to seeing you next time, mm-hmm. and got dressed and left. So right. for, for a second date, a threesome began, and I exited the room, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> leaving the, the two of them time. together. Yeah. yeah, because you had done that before. Mm-hmm. 
So did you have a chance to talk with her about it after or is it just kind of hanging there? Yeah, she wrote me the next day and both of us were still in this kind of haze of arousal the next couple of days. So that's a great sign. Yeah. Yeah. Like I woke up really turned on and I think we had sex that next morning. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We did. And I'm not a morning sex person right. like ever. And so she said the same thing that she was really turned on. And then for the next couple of days, as we chatted, she said, this arousal is just continuing for me. So it was definitely a very sexy, sensual exchange of energy that continued beyond that moment. And she apologized for bringing him in, said, it really ruined things. I'm so sorry I did that. I said, it's okay. You have to try stuff. It could have been amazing. I could have been thanking you for bringing him in because we could have had a fantastic time. You just never really know. But it's got to be a good sign that she felt about it exactly as you did, mm -hmm. as opposed to saying to you, wasn't that fabulous? <laughs> right. Didn't that just take it from 10 to 11? Yeah. I think we had exactly the same feeling, even in the moment, because oh. she told me after, I recognized as soon as he came in the room smelling like smoke that you would hate that. So anyway, things are great with her. I'm going to see her again next week. And yeah, we're both really excited about bringing in more toys and having more exploration time together. All right. So enough about me. Let's talk about your second date with Stephanie, she's the one who you had similar work connections, right? Yes, there okay. was some overlap in our businesses. Okay. So we decided that I would come down to her place and she would make dinner for me. She mentioned during the date that she loves to cook. It's a major area of creative expression for her. And I thought it sounded fantastic. So she grilled me. Like, what do you like? What do you not like? How do you feel about this? And it became obvious that she was feeling an enormous amount of stress. And it's not good for one person to go into a date feeling like the pressure is all on them. So I said, you know what? Why don't we just order in? So she actually liked that idea and said, but I'll still make a pie. So I said, okay, you've got a deal. <laughs> So I drove down to her apartment and we had a very nice conversation. Like we picked up right where we left off, but I kept waiting to feel some level of lust and it just never arrived. But you know what? I realized that sometimes you have to get the engine started. So I said to her at one point, this is after hours of talking, after our takeout sushi. At one point, we're talking and she kind of reclined on the couch and I was um, massaging her feet. And it just became the moment for me to say, I'd like to kiss you. And she said, I'd like that. And so we kissed for about 10 minutes Weren't you lying on top of her on the couch? Yeah. Did I not mention that? I was lying on top of this woman. So there was some dry humping going on? No humping. Because <laughs> like a minute in, I can tell that the kissing isn't changing anything. In terms of what? Like in your arousal? In terms of my arousal level. And so it's, you know, it's a strange situation. I've been in it in the lifestyle. You probably have too, where you find yourself in an intimate embrace with someone and there is zero going on with you sexually. 
And now you're in this performing mode. And so I was careful because I'm already thinking, uh, this isn't going to go anywhere. So I don't want to touch a breast. <laughs> I don't want to make anything that could be construed as a humping motion. I don't want my genitals, even through clothes, contacting her genitals through clothes. And I just saw it through. So I gave a reasonable kissing performance for 10 minutes with all my best kissing moves <laughs> and all my best putting my hand through your hair. It sounds terrible to talk about this stuff so coldly and analytically, but here I am. And so, because I'm thinking, A, I should try because maybe a little fire will get lit. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't want her laying there feeling like, oh boy, there's no wind in these <laughs> sails. And so, anyway, I did my best. I think it went well. And... I realized by the time I left that there was not going to be a third date. So how did you convey that to her? I made an ingenious move, I think. So I said to her, I so enjoyed our time together, which was true. But I have to say, I wasn't feeling that surge of passion that I was hoping to feel. And this was the genius move you probably didn't feel it either. So what it did was allowed her to position herself as not the disappointed party, the unrequited party, but to say, yeah, you're right. I didn't feel it too. So my pussy was dry as the desert. He actually said that she didn't get wet. So that was a level <laughs> of frank that I wasn't expecting back. But yeah, and you know what? Of course, in a situation like this, you're a little bit, I mean, I want to let her off the hook. I don't want it to be uncomfortable for her. <laughs> but you also want her to say, no, I was on fire for you, yeah, baby. Yeah, <laughs> because I want everyone to be on. I want all the podcast listeners to be on fire from, for me. Um, but of course, that's unrealistic. And mainly, I was happy that it had a nice closure to it. And that was that. Right. So we've now done... A whole bunch of separate dating online. And at the beginning of all of this, you had said that you thought separate dating would help to give you the confidence when we went into group and more traditional swinging situations. And we had a chance to test that this weekend. So we just got back two days ago from Podcast of Palooza, Miami, mm -hmm. where you had a few pretty strong connections with women that you met that weekend. So Tell us about how, if there was any transference of this new confidence, how did that go for you at PCAP? Well, it went very well, but I feel like you're <laughs> luring me into a trap here. So it went very well. Okay, tell us how it went very well. I will get to that. But <laughs> I never said, I'm sure the record will show that separate dating will give me more confidence what it would give me. You did say that. No way. Because uh -huh. what I said was that if I don't have to subsist on a diet of 100% group play, but rather I could have more of the interactions that feed me, which are one-on-one, -on -one, I could still engage in group play. But now that it's not 100% of my dating, relational, extracurricular, sexual diet, that I would be able to enjoy it more. Okay. So 
I because we're not even talking about group play here. We're talking about two women and then a third in a group situation mm-hmm. where you felt a connection. I said, go for it. Pursue them one on one. Have a separate playtime. Right. So, yeah. So, so do, you, do you feel like having the separate dating experiences and then having my permission to pursue whatever you wanted to do one on one? Do you feel like that was helpful to you? This past weekend. Well, it was interesting. Should I go through the three instances? There were three women sure. who were particularly interested in me. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was more interest expressed in my direction at Podcast of Palooza 2023 Carnival in Miami than at any other event I think I've ever been at. Like women unambiguous. At least you're more aware of it, which could be a sign of some progress or confidence building. Yes, because I've That's seen women true. come on to you pretty strongly before, and you didn't think that they were actually coming on to you. So, <laughs> Okay, well, I'm still the same person, and this time I saw it. So maybe I'm tuned in better to that frequency, or maybe I'm giving off a vibe that makes women feel more comfortable to express their interest unambiguously. But whatever the reason, it was definitely the case. That was my experience at PCAP. So... I guess we'll go through these three little case studies. Sure. Okay. So one was a woman I just met in a group situation. So we were getting together for an eight some eight people to have sex. Six of the people, so you and I and two of the other couples, very familiar with each other, have played a lot together. The other couple was friends of one of those couples but they were new. So two new people, six very familiar people. Mm -hmm. That new woman was very open about her enthusiasm for me. And I was enthusiastic for her. In fact, leading up to the event, when I had seen a picture of her, I remember telling you, that's a look that really appeals to me. So, so all the stars were lining up. Yeah, we went for dinner before that ate some and you sat Mm -hmm. beside her and seemed to be having some good social chemistry. Yeah, it was great. Good. So, so we went back to our room. Yes. So when it comes time for the play to start, I think I connected with her right away. Yeah, there were three women lined up on the couch. Mm-hmm. And two men went down on them and were eating their pussies. And then you just kind of laid on top of her, <laughs> similar to your date experience, where yes. you're laying on top of her, kissing her, making out, whispering sweet nothings in her ear. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I did that. So I was giving her the Liam treatment. So not to turn it into a product, but <laughs> just the way I like to connect with someone. So you actually said that there was a stark difference between the three couples that happened to be on that sofa. The other couple hadn't arrived yet, but there were two basically doing the DTF thing. Yeah. We went straight to licking the pussies. Right. And I went straight to looking her in the eye and telling her how excited I was to be with her and how interested I was in her when I saw her picture and plus kissing her and touching her and all of the things that I wasn't doing with Stephanie because I was feeling less enthusiasm. Now I'm feeling 100% enthusiasm for this person. So at one point, one of our friends whispered to me, maybe we should give this woman and her partner a little time alone. So I whispered to you, we should give them some time. I think he might be having a bit of a struggle right now. Right. 
which we're only speculating about because we don't know that that was the case. But it's only important what I believed was going on. And what I believed was that there might be some discomfort on his side with the level of intimacy and enthusiasm that I was showing to her. Does that sound right? Well, it's it's a totally valid interpretation. That's what I right. thought too. Right. So I allowed the energy level in our connection, the two of us, to just kind of come in for a landing and allowed her to reconnect with him, as our friend had expressed. And I felt great about that because I felt we had done really well and really well, not because there's a scorecard, but just in terms of what I had hoped for from the evening. Had so that was very early in what turned out to be a, I don't know, two and a half, three and a half hour long session. And over the course of the evening, she fucked every other man in the room, but you kept your distance from her. In fact, I think you spent most of your time then in the bedroom where she was out on the couch in the living room. Is that is that accurate? Am I remembering it right? Well, I had a great time with one of our friends. So I had a real involvement with her. But you're right. I did avoid her for the rest of the evening. Although when she was engaged with another guy, I did kind of join in as a supporting actor third. Right. So it's not like I ignored her. Right. But there was every reason to believe that whatever discomfort had occurred had passed because we saw her with guy one, two, three. You were the only one in the room who didn't get his dick in there. <laughs> right. Um, so what was happening with you? Why didn't you re-engage with her? Because I saw her engaging with, for lack of a better term, the DTF energy of the other men in the room. But I did not think me coming with my more connected energy would be good. That perhaps the moment between her and her husband, that perceived threat. And again, I don't know, they might listen to this. We're just speculating. It's more, we're sharing this to talk about what's going on in me, not mm -hmm. because we accurately grasp the dynamics in the room. Sure. But my feeling was, if there's any risk that man is feeling threatened by my attention toward his partner, I'm very happy just playing it cool for the rest of the evening. And it's not possible for you to go in with that DTF energy? like Not if I think that the husband may be feeling disquieted by my attentions. Okay. Okay, so you kind of avoided her for the rest of the weekend. Though I did say to her on two occasions, I looked her in the eye and said, I can't believe the level of our connection, how much I enjoyed my time with you. You're amazing. So I felt like there was no chance she would come away thinking, oh, I liked him more than he liked me. Okay, so that was a group situation. But mm -hmm. then there were two other women who expressed interest in you, and I told both of them explicitly if you want to play separately with Liam, I am very happy to have that happen. You guys can sneak away at any time. You don't have to even, you know, tell me. Just right. have fun. Right. So with one of those women, I had, well, with both of them, I had great conversations. And with one, I said I wanted to do all the things with her. <laughs> Might sound a little stark here. It had a lot of flow in the actual conversation. And she said, I want to do all the things with you too. So what I confronted at that point was the challenge of moving from, I want to do all the things with you, to doing all the things with you. And so it was not obvious to me that, that she would play separately from her husband, which is my preferred form of engagement. Did you ask her? 
I did ask her eventually, and it was an unclear answer. So she said, we have done it. Here's an example of a time that we've done it, but I don't know if we're there. And so we kind of had an agreement, but we had to arrange to be in the same place at the same time. And you had other plans for that evening with two women. So you're going to have a girl, girl, girl experience. It was going to happen in a room either that included this other couple or was adjacent to it. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into the logistics except to say that they were challenging. It was not obvious that, okay, we're going to meet at 10 o'clock in the playroom or midnight in our room and have that experience we talked about. It was very vague. And and you had no way of clarifying, like asking, so when are we going to do this? It did not feel like something I was comfortable saying because while we had this vague, let's do all the things, it wasn't clear the easiest thing, which is, hey, my wife and I will come and meet you and your husband, but you weren't going to be available for that kind of two-on-two engagement because you already had arrangements with someone else. So it made it difficult. I think the the message here is that even with expressions of interest, the hardest part, which is I found someone who I want, who wants me just as much, it can still be difficult to make that happen unless you're explicitly in a separate dating environment where you know for sure that that person only wants to play alone. And even then, it can be difficult. And that's really what example three is about. And I just want to say it can be difficult for you. So for me, making arrangements like that, just putting it right out there and saying, hey, I'd love to do this with you, that does not feel hard. But I think for you, there's a discomfort with that kind of directness. So tell me, I was that direct. I said, I want to do all the things with you. Mm -hmm. But it was where and when. So you feel like you would have been able to say, okay, midnight in my room, I'll see you there. That's what I did with the Sapphic Swingers. I said, okay. I'm going to find you later. They said, we're going to be in this room. And I went and knocked on the door. Right. But you didn't wonder if one of them was enthusiastic or not about it. I didn't know what the dynamic between this woman and her husband was relating to her interest in me. Okay. So final example. The final example was another woman who I met at a previous PCAP briefly, and then again at Naughty New Orleans. She is a fantastic person. She's so cute. Yeah, she's super cute, super smart, high energy, and very positive. Mm -hmm. And we had so many similarities in our outlook on situations and our hopes and aspirations within the whole non-monogamy world. So she said to me that she would like to get together. And I said, I would really like that too. The problem was that her husband, for completely separate reasons, was both very supportive of us getting together and having challenges that had nothing to do with us getting together. So out of care and concern for him, she wanted to pay attention to him. This was the last night. So all of these things had happened leading up to the last night. So I'm going into the last night thinking, I'm going to see three women in different settings that I'm equally excited about. And one by one, they dropped off the possibility list. So we invited this couple out for dinner, thought that that might be a nice way to move the ball forward. 
And you were actually interested in and attracted to her husband. So that would have worked well. Yeah, I knew you had had a long conversation with her the night before. And so when I saw her and her husband the next morning, you were still back in the room. So it's just me. And I said, my husband is really into you. And if you guys play separately, I'd be very happy for you to have a separate experience with him because that's his preferred way of playing. And I want to give him those opportunities. But if you're not comfortable playing separately, I would be very happy to have a foursome with you because I'm into you, her husband. I think you're you're sweet and lovely, and I would be very happy for the four of us to play together. So I made that explicit. So this is my method of communication. I just come straight out and say what I want and let them go away and have a conversation about it. And later on, you followed up with her and she said no, even though they do play separately, that um, he wasn't really feeling in a good place that weekend. Right. So three different situations, three different women, but the same outcome, playing wasn't possible. But out of that, with one of the women, so the last one I was talking about, we have an amazing correspondence going on right now. So we're building that friendship and level of connection. So my question then is, you've struggled for years in the more traditional swinging world, and you thought separate dating and separate experiences would be the answer. But as you approach separate dating and separate sexual experiences, you continue to have some struggles. So is it possible at all that there is something within you that you're bringing into each of these different circumstances that is holding you back? So I feel that that is not the case. I feel like what was happening in each of those situations was some dynamic that made it impossible for me in good conscience to continue. But I can tell you, because the problem was I was looking to have separate experiences within what was still a group play. I'm also encompassing all of the separate dating. Right. So the previous podcast where you talked about going on dates with women and feeling like they were perfect for you and then they have a variety of reasons why they don't want to continue seeing you. So is it possible that in all of these situations, you are the common denominator and maybe there's something within you as far as your expectations or your approach or your, I don't know, libido, whatever, that could in fact be the problem rather than the external circumstances? I'm not keeping a scorecard, but there were clearly three women who and this is going back to the last podcast that I would like to have continued with who said no. There were two women who wanted to continue and I said no. And then there are these three examples today. And I can tell you, if I had gone on a solo date with any of those three women, so if they had said, yes, I'll meet you here at this restaurant and we would go to a hotel after just to pick one example, There was no ambiguity. There's no husband who may or may not be struggling. There would not be broader issues of coordinating your activities with my activities, with their activities. If it was just simple, I will meet you at this place, I think those three dates would have been very successful. I would have approached them with enthusiasm, and I'm as certain as certain can be that they would have gone extremely well. So nothing in you at any stage in any of these relationships has anything to do with your lack of success. (laughs) Right. So as you've mentioned many times, I'm a flawless human being. So so I don't 
I'm just joking. You no, never that's say what that. you always say. There is never a thing within you that needs to be altered or addressed or looked at. Like it's never about your insecurity. It's never about your lack of assertiveness. It's never about you. It's always about the external. So is this really possible? So in this situation, you feel like I would have been, so let's say uh, example number one from these last three case studies. Mm -hmm. So I perceive that the woman's husband is struggling with my particular style of attention towards her. You think that it could not possibly be my consideration of his feelings that held me back, but it's a character deficit on my part. Not a character deficit, okay, just an assertiveness deficit. So you get one signal that maybe he's uncomfortable. What I would have done had it been me, if I was really interested in this person, I would have given them a moment to reconnect, maybe gone off with someone else. And then once I saw her re-engaging with other men, my assumption there would be they've resolved their issues, they've reconnected, and now everything's fine because look, she's playing with these other men. So had it been me, I would have then gone and re-engaged and maybe in a way that was more sexual, less intimate, if I perceived that that was the problem. Because you just saw three other men pounding her. So pounding her is fine. So I would have just gone in there like, hey, we made this lovely connection. Now I'm going to pound you. (laughs) Guess who's very uninterested in pounding women? Okay. Um, And then on those dates, is it possible that either you're too particular or not assertive enough in expressing attraction for them? Maybe your libido is just generally low. Like if you were on the couch with that woman who you had a really great connection with, Maybe you would have felt some arousal if it wasn't for your lack of libido. Like, is it possible that there is something that you're carrying around internally that could be addressed that would make these things easier for you? I look back on my behaviors in those situations and feel like that's exactly what I would do again in the same situation. So I look at those situations. I don't doubt that with the woman I was laying with on the couch There are men who have a level of libido that any willing female is fine with them. I'm not that man. So I was never going to feel that level of enthusiasm that I'm certainly very capable of. I feel it with you on a very regular basis. I felt it towards all three of these women that we were talking about at PCAP. So I look back and that's the only measure I have. Now, if you say you're more talented at putting these things together, better at focusing attention on creating a plan and then making it happen. I'm very happy to admit that you're more talented than me. No, it's not talent. I think it's confidence. I feel confident enough to put it out there explicitly. I would like to do something with you. Here's what I'm thinking. And if that person says no, it does not destroy my ego. I do not feel any shame about it. My assumption is always, if they say no, they have very good reasons that probably don't have a lot to do with me. Mm -hmm. And that happened to me a few times this weekend, actually. You know, I made an explicit offer a couple times to a man that I've been flirting with for a few years. And he explicitly said, not this time because... And it was totally fine. It didn't hurt me at all. And so I've never seen you be that straightforward and direct with someone. 
And my perception is that it's a level of confidence that you would be shattered if someone said no to you because you would feel shame and your ego would be hurt by that. So instead of coming out and being direct about, here's what I'd like to do, here's when and where I suggest we do it, what do you think? I don't think you've ever been that clear with a woman because of a lack of confidence on your side that if you got the no, it would be too demoralizing. Okay, but when I said to that woman, I want to do all the things with you, I said it first, she uh-huh. said it second. Yes. So what was the confidence lacking part? Well, the follow-up. So let's go back to the room. Do you want to go right now? Or the playroom opens at 11, I'll meet you there. So the next step is beyond saying, I want to do all the things, which is very vague. The next thing I would say is, I'm going to be here at this time. If you want to join me, I would love to see you. That's how I always leave it. So I walk away and let them decide rather than, you know, usually they don't have to say no right to my face. But you don't do that. Like that next level, let's take this to a concrete plan thing. Right. I'd be super confident going on a single date. The thing I'm not confident of is the relationship dynamic of the woman that I'm interested in. But that's, again, a confidence. You just have to ask. You just have to say, hey, do you play separately? And if she says yes, cool, then follow up and make a plan. If she says no, okay, cool, that's fine too. Because you've said that to me so many times, I don't know if she plays separately. And my follow-up question is always, well, did you ask her? And you don't ask. So I feel like at the root of that is an insecurity or a confidence thing because you really can't handle being told no or turned down. And it would be really encouraging if the problem was within yourself, because that's where you have the power to do something about it. If it really is that the whole world is conspiring against you and every situation you find yourself in has these external problems that make it untenable for you, well, that sucks. You have no control. But if really you've got the control, you can be more confident. You can expressly say what you want and ask for what you want. Well, great. Because you have the solution right in front of you. Like, just work on that. But no, it's not you. Well, the problem is that I would ask any of these women out on a date, no problem. One lives 900 okay, miles away. Okay, forget the away. PCAP women. Okay. Talk about the dating women. Yeah, but I was not interested. The ones I was interested in didn't want me. The ones I was not interested in I did not wish that I had somehow made something happen with something where I, in a situation where I was not enthusiastic. Okay. So what's the next step? Are we going to now have to explore a whole other kind of thing for you to find your success? Or do you feel satisfied that you've explored every avenue and just, I don't know, being non-monogamous isn't working out for you? (laughs) No. I'm having great times in group situations these days. I think that's partly because I feel like solo opportunities are on the table between you and I. We've somehow got ourselves into a position of agreement on what will be good. So I think online dating is over for me because it's too difficult to look at someone's profile and expect that they're going to be the kind of person I desire. But I do meet those people regularly in the lifestyle in group situations. So the best route forward for me is to find people in this world that we inhabit who are open to separate dating 
and to date women who I already know through the group dynamic of the lifestyle. So any of those three women, if we're in the same town with any of them again, I will definitely look for opportunities to go on a solo date or at least to ask the question. So I think your point about asking the question is good. I would say I'm not great at that yet. I did it in Tennessee earlier this year, asked someone if they play separately and was told no, but you could join us for a threesome. And I did that and it was fun. But I need to ask that question more often. And your challenge about seeking greater clarity after an expression of enthusiasm is definitely something I can work on. Okay, great. So that is the end. We're not talking about separate dating unless something amazing happens anymore. Well, thank goodness. We don't want this to become the whole separate dating podcast. Yeah, and we have some amazing (laughs) things to talk about. So pay attention. We've got some (laughs) phenomenal episodes coming up soon on the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. But for now, we're going to say... I love you. I love you. (laughs) And goodbye, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. The interesting thing about doing a podcast is it seems to be all about communication, but all the communication is in one direction. It's from us to you. And we are actually the kind of people who like to hear from others. So there are two ways to do that. The first is to connect with us in person at an event. We are going to be at Libertines Carnival Miami, October 20th to 23rd, and their soiree event in Montreal, December 8th to 10th. Yes, and I believe they're both sold out, but there may be a day pass option available. So go to the link in the show notes and you'll be able to find out how to do that. We're also in 2024 going to be at Naughty Jim's Be Better at Being Bad event at Hedo. We'll provide more details on that as we get closer to the event date. You can also contact us online. We're on Twitter at Monogamish1. Instagram at The Monogamish Marriage. We have our blog at www.themonogamishmarriage.com. And you can also find us on OnlyFans. So I am under the name Liam underscore Landon, and Kate is under the name Kate Monogamish, all one word. You could also just email us at themonogamishmarriage at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye for now.